Welcome to Winston and Strawn's Competition Corner Podcast, where we discuss hot topics in antitrust law in the United States and around the world. I'm Kevin Goldstein, and I'm honored to be hosting today with a very special guest, Tomonori Maezawa, who is going to be talking with us about Winston's Visiting Foreign Legal Advisor Program and the latest developments in Japanese antitrust law. These are developments that will be of interest to anyone who does business in Japan or advises companies that do. Tomo is an attorney admitted in both Japan and in New York, who we've had the pleasure of working with this past year at Winston, while Tomo has been on secondment from one of Japan's great law firms, Nishimura and Asahi. For those unfamiliar, through Winston's Foreign Legal Advisor Program, every year we have Japanese lawyers join us on secondment from Japan's top law firms and corporate legal departments. These visiting lawyers have typically been practicing for several years in their native Japan, come to the U.S. to pursue an LLM degree in U.S. law, and then join us for a year following their graduation. We also have a similar program for lawyers from Latin America here at Winston. I was very fortunate to get to know Tomo while he was completing his LLM at the University of Chicago and have been thrilled to have him in Winston's New York office for this past year. I'm likewise thrilled that he's joining us today to talk about hot topics in Japanese antitrust law. Maezawa-san, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Maezawa-san, can you tell us more about your practice? Yes. Uh, like you said, I joined Winston & Strong on second month from Nishimura and Atahi last September amid the pandemic. I, I really appreciate the warm reception from colleagues at Winston during these difficult times and the opportunity to immerse myself in the U.S. legal practice. Before moving to the U.S., I focused on general couplet, M&A, and antitrust matters for four years. Among various antitrust cases I engage in, I spend much time working hard on a merger filing in an industry where two different merger deals were ongoing at that time. Obtaining the clearance after more than a year of working with clients, economists, and co-counsels was the most memorable experience. That's wonderful to hear about your experience practicing in Japan. Now, while you've been with us here at Winston, we, of course, do a tremendous amount of cross-border work, in particular work with Japanese clients and helping them get, get their deals through and resolve their antitrust issues around the world. How have you been able to work together with Winston's U.S. lawyers to help serve Japanese clients while you've been here with us? Are there any particular notable experiences you can share? Yeah. I have been given many opportunities to observe or work on various litigations involving cutting-edge issues, among others antitrust class action involving Japanese companies across the globe. In particular, I handled the legality of the service to uh, corporate dependents in Japan. I did research on both Japanese laws and international conventions and closely reviewed the actual documents sent to our clients. Based on the research results, with help from Winston colleagues, I drafted a short paper summarizing methods of service to Japan in the U.S. litigation on an outside platform. For those interested, please check out our article. And we've been so grateful for your help uh, advising all of our clients with that research and, and the other projects you've done. One area that's had a lot of interest in the last few years where we've seen a huge and, and growing focus is antitrust enforcement in the tech sector. 
Certainly in the U.S. and Europe, there are both investigations and enforcement actions ongoing, as well as new legislation and rules being proposed with the intent of increasing competition in the technology space, and with the especially focused on the, the big digital platforms. To what extent have these sectors also been a focus in Japan? As you pointed out, there is growing momentum for platform regulation, and Japan has been actively addressing this issue across the government. The most remarkable initiative is a new act to regulate digital platforms named the Act on Improvement of Transparency and Fairness in Trading and Specified Digital Platforms, which was implemented this February. As this official name is a bit of a mouthful, I'd like to just call it the Transparency Act in this podcast. I posted a blog post with Jeff Amado regarding this act last December, but I'd like to follow up on recent developments um, by taking advantage of this opportunity. So, um, listeners, please check out this post on the Competition Corner website. And before getting down to the main point, let me touch on the background. Back in 2019, the JFTC, the Japanese Antitrust Enforcer, conducted a fact-finding survey on online shopping malls and app stores and heard voices from third-party sellers that use these platforms. They complained about, among other things, first, unilateral changes of terms and conditions, for example, to increase transaction fees. Second, uh, self-referencing trade treatment, such as rigged search results to promote platform providers' products, as platform providers play a real role, uh, as you know, both as an owner of a shopping mall and a store setting at the shopping mall. Third, misappropriation of third-party sellers' data on their transaction records to find a successful and market-tested product and make it their own. And lastly, uh, most paper nation clauses requiring prices to be all those in any other platform. To improve this situation, the Transparency Act was enacted aiming to enhance transparency, as its name suggests, by imposing disclosure obligations as to these terms in the sphere of online shopping and app distribution. That's really interesting. So the Transparency Act applies to digital platforms, but how is that defined in the Act? What what kind of companies are covered by it? The short answer is several of the largest big tech giants. The Transparency Act sets a high threshold in gross merchandise volume in Japan so that it only covers those who have a great impact on people's lives. For online malls, no less than 300 billion Japanese yen, approximately 2.7 billion U.S. dollars under current uh, exchange rates. For app stores, no less than 200 billion Japanese yen, likewise 1.8 billion U.S. dollars must be reached. So when a company is subject to the Transparency Act, what are they required to do? As for the disclosure obligation, the Act requires platform providers to disclose, among others, the following criteria for refusal to a deal, basic factor used to determine such ranking, terms and conditions to acquire data about items provided by third-party sellers, such as changes in sales volume, MFM clause, and self-preferential or discriminatory treatment, if applicable. As for the fair procurement system, uh, the platform providers are required to ensure fair provision of services to third-party sellers and handle compliance and, and resolve disputes 
through, for example, the Code of Conduct Impact Assessment before amending the terms and the conditions, being criteria for penalties to with respect to the enforcement, the Act's basic principle is to encourage digital platform providers to improve transparency proactively and voluntarily and to keep the government involvement and the regulation to a minimum so they can take innovative initiatives suitable for each platform. As such, basically, performance of the obligations is supposed to be monitored and enforced through an annual report to be submitted by each provider Though the Act uh, provides for administrative and criminal sanctions for non-compliance with the Act. That's really interesting and quite a lot of disclosure. However, it seems notable that the, the Transparency Act, as it's being implemented right now, applies to really just a pretty small number of companies with the big tech giants and, and pretty high turnover thresholds. Has there been any discussion about expanding the Transparency Act beyond the major platforms to apply to, to smaller companies or other parts of the digital economy? That's a good question. Transparency Act sets forth the general framework of this regulation and delegates the details to subordinate orders that can be amended with a diet approval so it can be flexible with changes. The current scope is limited to online shopping malls and app stores, but it can be extended to another industry. The government released the final report regarding competition in the digital advertising market this April, pointing out that what happens in the real-time bidding behind the scenes is obscured in a black box to improve transparency in transaction details and pricing and clear away suspicions about conflicts of interest and tell preferencing in bid matching is an urgent matter. The government is considering applying the Transparency Act to this industry. Plus, this April, JFDC announced it initiated a fact-finding survey on cloud services. This June, JFDC also released a report on competition policy for data markets. It expressed concerns that big tech's enclosure of users and data will lead to monopoly and suggested that exempted rules beyond the existing framework can be an option if necessary. We should keep an eye on developments in regulations. Definitely, that sounds like something to follow and, and that we'll be looking out for. So, shifting a little bit, in the U.S., we recently had a very significant administration shift with President Biden's election and have seen a sweeping new executive order focused on increasing competition and antitrust enforcement. Now, in Japan, not quite the same as switching from the, the Trump administration to the Biden administration, not quite as big a shift, but you have had both a new prime minister and a new chairman of the JFTC assume office in September 2020. We've the, the new prime minister, Suga, is from the, the same party as the, the prior prime minister. Have the new leaders identified any new initiatives or priorities in the competition area since coming into power? Yeah. In reaction to growing momentum across the world, last October, the chairman of the new chairman of the JFTC clearly stated that Japan would join forces with the U.S. and EU to take on big tech companies' abuse of their dominant market position. This June, as a part of the effort, the government decided to increase the number of personnel at JFTC and hire experts familiar with the digital market and other prioritized areas 
and the JFTC and strengthen antitrust enforcement. The JFTC also formed a study group and issued a, issued a report regarding algorithms AI and competition. Algorithms are indispensable for online merchants to survey the market and set optimal prices in reaction to varying market demand. The report points out that algorithms can be used to facilitate collusive conduct and other antitrust violations. For the details, please check out the past I co-authored with Jeff. Great blog post, and I encourage everyone to read it. Another topic that's been of interest is the abuse of superior bargaining position violation in Japan, which is sort of a, a unique regulation in Japan. Some of our, our listeners may also be familiar with the concept of abuse of dominance in European law. Does abuse of superior bargaining position in Japan also require that a firm have a dominant market position? Can you tell us a little bit about the regulation? Before explaining abuse of uh, superior bargaining position, um, we need a hypothetical. Uh, let's say there are two parties, party A and party B. Um, party A, um, if party B has no choice but to accept the disadvantageous request from party A, because refusing would make it difficult to continue the transaction and thereby impede party B's business, then party A has a spare-year bargaining position over the party B. So, though you ask whether party A must have a dominant market position, the, the answer is no. Um, it doesn't require a dominant market, dominant market position. Another difference between the carrier bargaining position and dominant market position is that it doesn't require exclusionary conduct. Instead, it prohibits party A from making use of its carrier bargaining position over party B and requesting party B to do something disadvantageous to party B and just reunite of normal business practices. That's really interesting and I think would be great to hear more about examples of this abusive superior bargaining position type of claim. Are there actual cases where this regulation has been applied to a platform provider in particular? Yes, a dominant online shopping mall provider which announced a new policy to relieve consumers of shipping fees by imposing them on third-party sellers instead. It finally gave up because the JFCC accused it of abuse of value bargaining position. Another online shopping mall provider was also accused of requesting discounts and return on products without reasonable grounds. Both cases occurred last year, which reflects the JFTC's proactive attitude to enhance antitrust enforcement in this field. Thanks for explaining. It certainly sounds like there's a lot of activity going on with the JFTC and the, the Japanese legislature. We'll be watching closely, looking at your blog posts, and looking for further developments as they come. As we come to the end of our podcast, I want to thank you again for, for being here with us today. I guess we're not coming just to the end of our podcast. We're also coming toward the end of your secondment at Winston, and you'll be returning to Japan. Are there any lessons or experiences from your time practicing in the U.S. that you'll take back with you to, to benefit your clients in the future? Thank you for asking. Throughout my secondment, I have immersed myself with international cases that require cooperation with co-counsels across the globe and an understanding of laws 
in various jurisdictions, such as difference in methods of service and protection of attorney client communications. By the way, I wrote an article about new protection for attorney client communications in Japan with Jeff. Above all, uh, what I believe is the most important is that I built the tight relationship with Winston Lawyers. I'd love to stay longer here, but I'm thrilled to move on to the next stage in Japan with experiences at Winston. Thank you, Maya-Zawa-san. We would certainly love to have you stay longer here, too, but likewise are looking forward to continuing to work with you in the, the next chapter in your career. So thank you for joining us here on Competition Corner today. I encourage all of our listeners to check out the Competition Corner website for more content and for Maya-Zawa-san's blog post that he referenced here today. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you so much.